1: Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Radio. Uh, we'll get to Louis with uh, the sports desk, uh, Kudesa Polaris, very shortly. I've got a, a little item I just saw, spotted. Actually, Sophie Devine, who said pretty damn good women's big bash actually, um, and it's we won't know until basically Thursday morning, I think, after the playoffs are over. The first of which is tonight. The second tomorrow night. Whether Sophie Devine is available. To play for the White Ferns Or whether her uh, team Perth Scorchers will release her, I doubt it Um, I would imagine they'll want to keep her And uh, New Zealand would have to deal without her Uh, But she's the captain Of the All-Stars team Or the Women's Big Bash team of the tournament Which also includes Notables like Beth Mooney uh, Chamari Atapatu Is uh, some sort of player out of uh, Sri Lanka Elise Perry the great, at least Perry, one of the regarded as still, I think, the best women's cricketer of all time with all her skills. Uh, Annabel Sutherland, who uh, plays for uh, the uh, Australian women's team along with Amanda Jade Wellington. Lauren Cheetle is in there as well, and Sophie Day. So uh, Sophie Devine has the honour of captaining that side, Louis. Yeah, that's amazing. Um,
0: she's had a, a really, a really impressive career throughout the years in the women's Big Bash. But hopefully, we can see her playing uh, on this side of the Tasman very, very soon. It would be a shame if she gets if she misses too mu- too much of that series. So that's against uh, Pakistan, and we have live commentary of that on Sunday. I think the first game is, I believe, down there in Dunedin. So fingers crossed the weather behaves. The weather's been pretty good so far. Um, this spring, so fingers crossed, Smithy. This is a, an interesting one. It's, a, I guess, a bit of <laughs> a bit of a blow for the Tool Blacks. They've been, they've had the draw for the Olympic qualifying process, um, which is uh, very pivotal if, if we want to make the Olympics. Obviously, but we've got to beat Greece, uh, Slovenia, Croatia and Dominican Republic. So just a, a sample of players that represent those teams would be Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Luka Doncic, Carl uh, anthony Towns, uh, and so on and so on. So we've pretty much been given the worst possible uh, draw we could. And without being too defeatist, I, I think it's next to zero chance that we'll be in the Olympics. So we have speed climbers, but not basketball players. Men's, at the very least.
1: That is a hell of a tough draw. And I'm not sure what the incentive is for those players. I imagine some of those players would not be available because their clubs won't release them for the qualifying side of it. That's the only upside I can see in that, Louis. Sometimes, we, you know, these players carrying niggles or, you know, they turn around and their franchises say, alas, uh, uh, Stephen Adams, you mm-hmm. can't have them. You know, mm-hmm. You're not available to have them. So that would be the only beacon or the only light at the end of the tunnel I can perceive there is that there's a possibility. They might not be at full strength, but we'll we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, even even those sides not full strength are big basketball playing nations, especially those European mm. teams. So, I've um, stacked with depth really. Uh, staying with, uh, I guess, American-ish sport. Well, this is American football now. It's it's really right into the depth of the season. You were watching yesterday, where uh, it was a well. There were two wonderful games yesterday, actually. The the Eagles mm. and Bills went to deep into overtime, and um, Jalen Hurts drove the Eagles back up the field. They they just seem to have nine lives at the moment. They just keep winning games. The This last year's uh, beaten Super Bowl finalists. And then we saw... Um, The Baltimore Ravens just scraped one out. Well, the Carolina Panthers, they haven't had a good start to the year. One win in 11 games. And Frank Reich, who was their head coach, um, he is Gonski. He has been sacked. So uh, he is the second coach to be fired this season after Josh McDaniels was let go by the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. Now, interestingly, Bill Belichick, legend smithy would you agree mm, mm. one of one, one oh, of absolute legend yep
1: yep grumpy well, legend
0: grumpy legend <laughs> he is uh, his patriots are woeful two and nine this has been uh, the back of uh, a couple of really bad seasons now people are starting to look sideways at what's going on here um, obviously tanking is uh, it's not it, it's not incentivized but there are benefits to being terrible in the American sports systems because they will get a very high draft pick and hopefully in in their case, be able to get a quarterback to build around. But man, they have been really bad. Um, And, Yeah, so the only team worse than them, well, has just had their coach sacked, and the Carolina Panthers. So I can't imagine a world in which Bill Belichick gets sacked because he's got too much equity. But it's really hard with these legends when it's like, how do they know when to? It's almost like you know, when do we should we tell Grandad that he you know he shouldn't have a driver's license anymore? You know, when do we when do we have to suggest to Bill Belichick that maybe he's not the the best person to be coaching? I don't know, it's an awkward conversation though, isn't it?
1: Well, it is, and it also brings into question just how good Brady was, because of course Bill Belichick's success. As you know, the last few years of his success were all about Tom Brady, and people used to say, "Without Brady, you'll be no good." And people used to say to Brady, "Without Belichick and without the Patriots, you'll be no good." So it's it's interesting where perhaps they both. Uh, once they parted company their their careers both sort of took somewhat well, of an dive. but Brady still had his moments he he won the super bowl i mean i think that yeah, that, yeah. that
0: Tampa Bay Super Bowl that he won probably settled that debate there and then and um maybe yeah it, 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 interesting though wasn't it cuz you you're so right you know was he a system quarterback was he was Bill Belichick like enough to have the greatest player of all time on his teams you never really were too sure but I mean, he, he's older now. He's, he'd be well into his 70s, wouldn't he, Bill Belichick? Um, so mm. y- you wonder how much longer he wants to do it for, especially with a, a losing team. Uh, Vikings-Bears today at 2.15. Now, just the last one. I guess this isn't quite the sports test, but we're doing a lot of talking about the, the Boxing Day test we're going to have in, in Australia. Another chance. Um, how many Boxing Day tests have we played, Smithy? There was obviously working backwards
1: um, 20- 20... Yes. City, 1980, and we went to the uh, Boxing Day test at Melbourne Cricket Ground, and we'd been beaten in three days twice, once at the Gabber and once at the Wacker, and someone put up uh, on a, a massive great sheet, which stayed up for the course of the test match. All we want for Christmas is a five-day test. In other words, can you stretch it out a bit longer? Sure. Um, so we managed to, and we were absolutely desperately unlucky. Uh, because Lance Cairns was no ball from bowling bounces. Lance Cairns at his pace, and uh, we uh, would have uh, won that test match. Jimmy Higgs and Doug Walters got Australia out of jail for the last wicket. Uh, Having said that, uh, then we went back, I think, in 1988, and um, we were desperately unlucky there too. That was when Danny Morrison had Craig McDermott, absolutely stone-cold LBW. We would have won that test match, so that's twice we've been done over there. Uh, And then I think the last one was three years ago, two or three years ago. So uh, only three that I can recall. There might have been more.
0: Yeah, no. Well, those are the three that I that I have here. Um, I wasn't sure if there were any prior to 1980, but um, certainly those right. were the, the those are the last three. So, I mean, the 30 year wait between. So, I went. You were there as a commentator. I know your boys were over there yeah. as well, and it was just such a festival. There was eighty thousand people at the G on day one. It was the biggest crowd outside a, a biggest boxing day test outside a, a Ashes test at the time, I believe. Um, and it was a festival. It was so much fun. Trent Bolt snapping Joe uh, Burns' wicket in the in the, th- the third ball of the game was the loudest roar I've heard at a. To be honest, at a cricket game, it was just it was so good. And then very quickly it became so bad. So I was having a look. I was doing a bit of scorecard perving and um, having a look back through. Now eighty-seven and eighty, player of the match, player of the series, both the same person. Eighty-seven mm. and eighty, Richard Hadley. In 1980, Sir Richard Hadley, during that test at the Boxing Day at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, he went three for 89, first innings, six for 57 in the second, player of the series as well. In 1987, he goes back, first innings, five for 109, and then second innings, oh, he scored 29, by the way. 5 for 67 You were catching it You would have been You would have been On the receiving end Of a few of these I, I would have imagined so I'm sure he would have been Nicking people off Just go back and Check scorecards Just to remind yourself How freakish he was Over a long period of time Because then you said to me Go and have a look At the 1973 tour And what he did in Sydney mm. And I have I mean this is
1: 15-20 years Of genuine excellence
0: Incredible mm.
1: It is actually. Uh, We'll get back on that actually. Uh, We're a bit short for time but we'll look perhaps at the career of Richard Hadley uh, very shortly because it's worth noting. It's 11.53 here on SCNZ. In fact it's more than worth noting, it's worth highlighting.